I love technology, and then sometimes I want to put it in a stranglehold, you know what I'm saying? I think if you couldn't hear any of those announcements, uh, it's all online. <laughs> hey, happy Father's Day uh, to the fathers in the room. Yeah, we can give them a hand. Uh, we, may, we may have a lot of different experiences. Maybe, maybe you had a, a great father or not a great father, but if you are a father, uh, you have uh, an incredible responsibility and a gift to, to steward um, lives in the name of Jesus. And, and you need the Spirit of God to be able to do that well. And so my prayer for you as fathers is that you would know who you are in Christ and uh, lead your kids to know who he is, because that's where their hope is going to be found. Amen? Amen. Uh, couple other things. Uh, the baby bottle fundraiser ends today. So if you are helping with pregnancy care clinic uh, and have those bottles, you can drop those at the Welcome Center. Uh, also, fathers, there's lots of donuts out there. I'll leave it at that. Um, and I want to acknowledge that today is uh, Juneteenth. If you're not familiar with what that is, uh, it would be good to do some homework this afternoon. Uh, but we serve a God who fights for and delivers those who are oppressed. And uh, on June 19th, 1865, a couple of years after the Emancipation Proclamation, the last kind of stronghold for slavery in the States was addressed. And so because we're a church body and we celebrate with those who celebrate and we mourn with those who mourn, uh, today we remember that day. We also acknowledge and pray for continued release from oppression because there's things that still continue in our world today because we live in a broken world and we need God's hand to deliver us. Amen? Uh, so we continue. If you're a guest, my name is Drew, and uh, we started a conversation last week on the Holy Spirit. And the, the main idea from last week was that the Spirit of God is always working out the plans of God on this planet. And we did a survey through uh, some Old Testament scriptures uh, to see examples of how the Spirit worked. And then we landed in John 16, where Jesus makes this promise that he's going to send the Helper and the Comforter. He's going he's to send the Holy Spirit. And we concluded last week with the question, do we want the Spirit of God working out his plans in my life? Now, hopefully, you had a little bit of time to think about that, even if it was just Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon. But that's kind of a question that really we could be asking every day we wake up. Do I want the Spirit of God working out his plans in my life? Today we're going to move into a discussion about Holy Spirit baptism. Now, in my experience, uh, growing up in the church and now being in full-time ministry for 14 years, this conversation tends to stir things up a little bit. Just stirs the pot. You know, uh, what is Holy Spirit baptism? What does it look like? When does it happen? How does it happen? Where does it happen? Is it supposed to happen? Right? There's, there's some faiths that believe that the work of the Spirit actually ceased. Cessationists, they believe that the work of the Spirit was something that happened only in the New Testament scriptures and now it's done. Like there's whole faiths that believe uh, in that. Uh, maybe you grew up Catholic and you prayed Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but you never really thought after that prayer, like, 
maybe the Holy Spirit actually wants to do something inside of me and through me today. Or maybe, maybe you grew up more in a, a, a Pentecostal environment and you've got some experiences that are not awesome, right? Where people prayed and they taught on the Holy Spirit and like some just weird mamma jamma happened and you're like, I don't want anything to do with whatever that was, right? That's the truth. There's a lot of that that's, that goes on. This week, uh, our staff, we had a really rich conversation around this topic because each one of us on our team has a very different experience. And so we talked through that. And so if, if you are uh, excited for this conversation, or if maybe you're a little bit on edge, like, what are we going to do today? Uh, maybe you're nervous. Man, you're not alone. You're not alone. There's a lot of people probably in the same exact place that you are. And the truth is, we're talking about the supernatural presence of God and how he works in the world. So it's safe to say that there may be some things about it that are beyond us. They're outside of us. They're, they're, they're bigger than us. And this in itself is a hard truth to accept, I think. As a people, we so desperately want to understand and have a sense of control. And, and I've experienced this. I've, I, I walk in this way sometimes in my walk with the Lord. We, we, attempt, we attempt to confine the work of God into something, into a nice little box that's kind of easily explainable. And then we take that box and we deliver it and say, this is how God works. Which, there's probably some truth in that, right? Because each one of our experiences with God, there's some truth in that. But it is not the whole truth of who God is and how he works. And so we've got to be really careful how we enter into this conversation because this is a, a God conversation. It's bigger than us. And we have personal experiences, some good, some bad. Um, but we do, what we do know when we study the scriptures is that the Holy Spirit worked then, was prophesied about, is working now and we want to be submitted to what he wants to do in us and through us. Amen? Amen. And so as I've always suggested, uh, really, on anything concerning God, the best thing that we could have as we enter into this is a heart that says, I'm available, Lord. Yeah. It's, it's to have a heart that's soft and a mind that's open for what God would want to do uh, in us and through us. Let's pray, and we're going to read a lot of scripture. Lord, this morning, uh, we come before you, a holy and perfect and sovereign God. And we're amazed at who you are. We're humbled that the Lord of all creation would enter into the brokenness of humanity and extend grace and forgiveness and also send us your very presence. We admit that our thinking and our understanding is finite and you are infinite. And so we just submit to you today. We love you and we want to see your kingdom come in us and through us. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Uh, when you came in, you should have gotten a, a little handout with a number of scripture references. We'll, we'll look at most of these today. Um, 
One of the reasons that I would give you this, and, and actually after service I'm going to create some time to talk, is this isn't a 30-minute conversation. <laughs> this is an ongoing conversation for the rest of your life. And, and, the, and I think the best thing we could do when we gather in the name of Jesus is look at what the scriptures have to say, to stay anchored there, and then allow the Lord to work in us. So this is just a guide. It's just a tool. There's nothing, if you notice, it's just scripture. There's nothing special in there except the most special thing ever, the scriptures. Uh, and so hopefully that can be, be a guide for us. Uh, we're going to look at the various scriptures in Acts that discuss Holy Spirit baptism, and then we're going to close with a, a time of worship and prayer. But to kick things off, I want to start with Jesus, which is pretty safe way to go about things ever. <laughs> uh, we'll start with Jesus in Luke chapter 3, kind of before we get to Acts, and it's the story of Jesus being water baptized. Luke chapter 3, and the scene is John the Baptist uh, was sent to prepare the way for the Messiah, for the coming of the Lord. And he, and he called people to repentance. And then Jesus shows up where he's baptizing people in water. And when Jesus arrives, he says, whoa, that's him. That's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of this world. And then Jesus submits himself to water baptism. He goes into the water with, with John. And Luke 3, verse 21, it says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. So from the life of Jesus, we see just a couple of things uh, take place. First, water baptism, which we continue to practice as believers today. When you put your faith in Christ, you enter the waters of baptism to symbolize putting to death your old life and coming out of the waters to symbolize beginning a new life in Christ. And it's a community event. It's something that we celebrate because we believe that God works in those moments those confessions of faith in a community of, of faith. The second thing that we see is an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Described as descending upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove. Now to be clear, this does not mean when you give your life to Jesus and you're baptized that a bird is going to come and land on your head. That's not... That's not the case. Don't look for that. Although if you walk out the door, there's a bird's nest with a bird that's pretty angry because they got babies. And a bird might land on your head when you leave today. That's not the Holy Spirit, though. Okay? They're just describing something supernatural, and that's the best words they had for it. It was like a bird that, that came and landed. And from this moment, Jesus begins his teaching and healing and deliverance ministry. So he comes out of the water, he's filled with the Spirit, and he begins his ministry. And we'll come back to this when we look at passages in Acts. But this is an example of the Spirit of God working out the plans of God in the world. This happened through the life of Jesus, and it was a missional work to reach all the nations. Jesus came and he shook things up because they were trying to truncate the work of God. And Jesus came and said, listen, 
you are thinking so small. <laughs> and his life demonstrated that. And, and later, we'll see this happen with the disciples. Not only Jesus was empowered to do the things of God, God himself, but when the disciples receive the Holy Spirit, they become very missional in their activity as well. It's the same thing. Turn with me now to the, the first text in your handout. I believe it's the first text. Uh, Acts chapter 1. This places us after uh, the resurrection of Jesus, but before he ascended into heaven. And the beginning of the chapter says that Jesus appeared to them for 40 days after the resurrection, and he was teaching them things about the kingdom of God. And so it's kind of this last pep talk before he ascends into heaven. And like we read last week, he promises that he's going to send them the Spirit. Acts 1, 4 through 5. While he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So, so just as a refresher, the Old Testament prophets, they prophesied that someday the Spirit of God was going to come and it was going to fill people. It was going to be poured out on all flesh. Jesus showed up, was baptized, was, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he makes this promise that the disciples are going to be filled with the Spirit soon. The term baptized is baptizo. It's the same word for both water and spirit baptism. And it's just, it means to be submerged completely. So just as you go into the water completely, which I love, last time we did baptism, somebody went down and they didn't go down all the way, and I won't say who, but somebody put their hand on their forehead and just put them in. It's like, yeah! Fully submerged! <laughs> that, idea, that idea of being fully submerged is, is the way baptism in the Spirit is discussed. Fully submerged in the Spirit of God and the work of God. Then, what Jesus promised happens, Acts chapter 2, this is the next text in your handout. Let's read this together. Uh, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. I'm trying to decide how much I want to get off track here because that is the visual of that. Again, uh, this is how they're describing this moment. But if you go back into the Old Testament where the presence of God was leading the people, what did he lead them by? A pillar of fire. So you see what God is doing with his people? He's saying, hey, 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 pay attention. I'm working here. It says, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the disciples, they were baptized. <laughs> they were immersed in the work of the Holy Spirit as Jesus promised. And they began to speak in different languages, which just happened to be the languages of the thousands upon thousands of people who were gathered in Jerusalem. Now the context for this story, Acts chapter 2, 
is that the city was packed for Pentecost celebration, and it wasn't related to what we would relate it to, baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were gathering to remember a moment in their history when God showed up on Mount Sinai and through Moses delivered the law. And so every year they would get together and they would remember God came to us. God is our guide. He's given us his direction. He's given us his law. And they would descend upon the city of Jerusalem. The city would balloon by thousands. And they would all bring their offerings. And they would thank God that they serve a God who loves them and is present and is there to guide them. In the midst of this celebration, this is the context, the Holy Spirit baptizes the disciples who pour out into the streets proclaiming the things of God. This is another Mount Sinai moment. And God is making this clear, again, by the, even the visual, the, the, what looked like fire. Whoa, we're here to celebrate that God was with us in the desert, that he led us by fire. What? And they were so moved, they didn't like stay in there and hang out. What happened? Same thing happened to Jesus when the Spirit came upon him. He got missional. The disciples went out into the streets and they're just proclaiming the things of God. They don't even know what they're saying, but the people that are in the town are hearing the good news about who God is. The Spirit of God accomplishing the work of God, drawing all nations to himself. Now, naturally, this is a strange event. And so it causes a stir in the city. Some people responded critically. They're like, man, they're hitting the wine early this morning. It's in there. I'm not making that up. It's in the text. They're like, these guys must be drinking. They're drunk. They're just babbling. Like, what is going on, weirdos? Like, yeah, chill out, right? There's some people who were, were interested. They're like, what is happening they're curious, like what? And we'll get to those people. Others, I assume, are there, again, they're there for the festival of Pentecost. They're probably like, huh, that's weird. And they probably just went right along with their normal traditions and religious activity. Which, which I find interesting because I think it's the same way we actually respond to the work of God today. I think when the Spirit of God moves, there's some who are critical that go, no, like that's weird. You don't do that. Somebody's got to stop that. Like we've got to control that somehow. This is not okay. There's, there's some who see the move of God and go, whoa, what is this? Does this have meaning? And there's some who continue to just plot along in the regular traditions and rituals and miss out on what God is doing. Have you ever done that in your life? You just kind of plod along? This is just what we do. And God's speaking and doing something over here, and he's like, hello! Like, well, this is just what we do. This is what we've done for years. This is what we've done for decades. In the story, Peter, he recognizes the need for some teaching. Spirit of God's moving, 
The people that are leaning in, they're, they're curious, they want to know. Peter kind of sees this moment, and by the Spirit of God, he teaches them what's going on. He explains their entire history, Acts 2, 14 through 36. He reminds them of their history as a people, and he explains how this is what God had planned all along. Like, we're actually just witnessing something that he's talked about from the beginning. This is a part of his plan. And again, to those who were curious and leaning in, here's what happened. Acts 2, verse 37, it says, Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They're like, yeah, now I'm tracking. What do we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people respond to the teaching of Peter and are saved and filled. Now, if you were to rewind, this is where it's hard to prepare for something like this because there's so many connections to the Old Testament to know like what, what do we want to chew on together this morning. But this is one of them. If you rewind to the book of Exodus, because remember, they're, they're there. Most people are there because they're there to celebrate what happened at Mount Sinai. That's why they're there to celebrate and they're remembering this moment where God gave the law through Moses. And if you read Exodus 32, what you find is actually a tragic story. Like super tragic. Because Moses goes up on the mountain to get the law of God. And as he's away, the people are like, he's gone too long. We got to figure something out. Hey, we should melt down some metal and build a golden calf and worship it. Because that makes sense. And they do. And so when Moses comes down, they're like already breaking the covenant before it even takes place fully, right? They're already walking away from God. And there's a tragic result. People were killed. It's one of those texts that you read and you're like, ah, how does this work out with what I believe? Now, I'll give you one guess as to the number of people that died that day at Mount Sinai. How many do you think? 3,000. So at the coming of the law, 3,000 people passed away. At the coming of the Spirit, 3,000 people were given new life. Coincidence? I don't know, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> now, as the disciples, they continued proclaiming the things of God by the power of the Spirit... Of course, the city is just like, what do we do with these weirdos? Like, they're gaining traction. Now they got more of them. And they're all talking about God. Like, what are we going to do? And so the religious people are like, we got to stop this because, like, they want to go to their church. Uh, and, the, and the city officials are like, we got to stop this because people are getting all out of their mind and I don't know what to do about this. 
We've got to stop it. Somebody's got to stop this insanity. So, so needless to say, the disciples that are following Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, proclaiming the things of God, start facing pressure from all angles. Persecution, right? It's just, it's coming. They're, they're proclaiming the things of God, and here comes the pressure. Acts 4, verse 31, they did what they knew to do. They got together and they prayed. Here's the text. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, two things stand out to me in this text. First, it's a reminder that the Spirit of God works out the plans of God in the world. These guys are facing pressures of all kinds, and they're empowered to be even more bold because God was accomplishing a purpose through them by his Spirit. So they prayed, they're emboldened. Second thing that the text says is that they were all filled with the Spirit, which I don't know. I believe this already took place in Acts chapter 2, right? Are you with me? We just read it. So what's going on here? Can you be baptized? Can you be filled with the Spirit more than once? Anybody else have a question when they read a text like this? What's going on here? And this is where a lot of the confusion lies, right? On this topic of Spirit baptism, right? When do you receive the Holy Spirit? And how does it happen? How many times does it happen? According to Peter, in Acts 2, the only prequalification to receiving the Holy Spirit is repentance and belief that Jesus extends forgiveness. I'll read it again. Repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. What's the next sentence? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when do you get the Holy Spirit? Uh, so when we repent, we surrender our lives to Jesus, he gives us his spirit, but, this is, this is kind of the comma, but that doesn't mean there isn't further fillings and experiences of baptism in the spirit. Because we just read about it. We just read an example. The disciples were baptized in the spirit when they prayed together. They were already baptized in the Spirit earlier. Okay, let's look at another example, just in case you think I'm making stuff up. <laughs> Acts 8, verse 14. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So how does this compute with everything we just said? <laughs> then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I, I read the scriptures and I kind of scratch my head and I go, Lord, I'm going to need your help here. <laughs> in this case, the word of God, the, the good news of God was spreading so quickly. People were coming to faith in Samaria. In, in, in other words, the work of God was outpacing the people. Isn't it funny when that happens? Like God moves and like, whoa, we're trying to catch up with what he's doing. That's when you kind of know it's a move of God, right? It's outside of anybody's control. 
So they're trying to catch up. They hear about Samaria. They go down to check things out. They realize they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so they lay hands on them and they pray and they receive the Holy Spirit. Now, interesting note, this is the first instance in Acts where anyone had to lay hands on somebody to receive the Holy Spirit. You can go back and look for yourself. Today, it's really common when we pray for people, just in general, it's pretty common to lay a hand on the shoulder and, and pray. It's kind of a way of being present and to comfort. We, we do those types of things, right? It seems that God did not necessarily need anything particular from us to baptize people with the Spirit. Because it happened without any, any laying out of hands. The disciples were at first, they're just hanging in the upper room, and it's like, bam! They didn't follow any ritual other than they were praying. And believing that God's promise, the promise of Jesus to baptize them was going to happen at some point. So their hearts were ready. There wasn't any form. There wasn't any ritual. Come on, we get into that. We get into like, we got to, I've got so many thoughts about that. But um, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to get off, off whatever I've prepared here. Many were baptized with the Holy Spirit without anyone laying hands. And then there was people baptized with the laying on of hands. So don't hear me saying that we don't lay hands and pray. But God can work without us laying hands on and praying. In fact, this came up in our conversation uh, this week. Because the experience of different staff members, pastors on our staff, completely different. How much time do I got? I know, come on! So, okay, so for example, for example, you're going to get me into trouble. Uh, for, 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 for example, uh, my, my personal story is, is rather unique, okay? Where I grew up, my, my dad actually prayed in the spirit when I was a kid. I had no idea what was going on. I was like, I guess my dad's just weird. <laughs> so I grew up in a very spiritual, spirit-filled home. But the church I grew up in, it didn't, it didn't really move by the spirit. God works in the community. Yeah, so I, I'm, not, I'm not talking bad about a community. It just it wasn't talked about a lot. So I moved out here, and, and we, I started serving at New Life, which is a four-square church, and I'm kind of learning all kinds of things that I didn't have exposure to, which again is interesting. You read Acts. They just didn't know. So I start learning about this. For me, one of the kind of spirit baptism filling moments happened while I was laying on an air mattress in the apartment that I lived in down in Factoria because I was early 20s and I'm like, I don't need furniture. <laughs> I literally, my room had an air mattress. And I was like, I'm fine. I'd make my lunch at the beginning of the week. I'd eat the same thing five days a week. None of that matters. But <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to Katie on the phone. It's past midnight. We're praying for a friend 
who's going through something difficult, and I start praying in a different language. This is new to me. Katie, were we married when this happened? We weren't even married. Katie goes, are you speaking in tongues? I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm just tired. I literally was like, I have no idea what is happening right now. It's weird. It's late. I'm probably exhausted. Maybe eat some weird, weird pizza earlier today. Like, I don't know what this is. I am not lying to you. This is how it happened for me. And then the next morning I wake up and I go to work and I'm like, all right, God, I'm all about what you're about. Let's just, so I went to work and I worked for an ophthalmologist and I was literally just praying the whole day as patients are coming in. Some of them probably heard me and thought, what is, this is weird. I'm never coming to this high care clinic again. <laughs> but that's kind of how the spirit began to work in my life. Now, other people on our staff, very different experience. Some were in a service with people praying for them during a worship set. People laid hands on them. The spirit moved in them. Laying on a hair mattress in Factoria, being in a service. You see how they're very different? So we can't box God in on this. I mean, we can try, but I think that actually hinders his work. So if we have a certain idea of how it's supposed to happen, sometimes that can hinder what he wants to do in our lives. Tracy, I'm coming after you after this service is over. <laughs> I think it's worth noting, if we go back to the text that we just read, that there is a secondary event that was experienced. There, there was something that happened after they had given their life to Jesus. And does that mean that they didn't have the Spirit? I think the Spirit lived, I think they had the Spirit. According to Peter, they had the Spirit. But there was something else that happened. Are you with me? Everybody doing okay? Okay. We've covered a lot of ground and we moved through this quickly, but um, to me it's so important to understand the context of the conversation. And that's why we started last week with the Old Testament and tried to work through kind of almost methodically acts to see we're not just pulling things out. Like, this is the story of the scriptures. Okay, I'm going to close with an illustration. Um, I, I feel like, you know, there's a disclaimer on, like, any illustration. No illustration can perfectly capture things. Are you with me on that, right? But sometimes it can be helpful to, to help us see things differently. So imagine that it's the summertime and... Uh, I'm with my family back in Michigan as we're getting ready to go there uh, in a couple weeks. And uh, we're getting ready to go swimming with my kids. Now, if you've ever gone swimming in the Great Lakes, uh, it's a bit of a mental process. Uh, you guys swim in the sound, so it's similar. It's just cold. Like, you think of a, a pond or a lake to swim in, they're warm. The Great Lakes are called Great Lakes for a reason. They're giant, which means they don't get very warm. They're, they're very, very cold. And so to go swimming in the Great Lakes, it's not uncommon to see uh, any one of us, mostly the adults, the kids don't care, but the adults will come down to the beach and, they'll, and we'll slowly kind of walk to the edge of the water just to give it a feel, <laughs> right? We'll get, we'll get our feet kind of wet. We'll see how cold it's going to be. And, and then we'll make a decision Am I going to enter this water or not? 
Now, if, if we've made the decision, like I'm going for it today, feeling courageous, uh, it's kind of like the sound, or at least where our cottage is, where you've got to walk a long ways before it's deep enough because it's very shallow. And so it's a commitment to go into the water, but you get to a certain point as the water level rises and you're like, okay, am I really in this? <laughs> right? Am, am I going am I, am I to go in the water today? And I, and I wonder if, if this, if there's a similar process <laughs> of coming to the Lord and experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit. That many of us in the room, we've made a decision to follow Jesus. We, we've walked into the lake. We've, and how we all got there is different. You know, maybe some of us were like watching from a, a ways and we stuck our toe in. And maybe somebody like dragged you to the lake and chucked you in and you like came out like, No! But then you went back in. You know, how we came to the lake is very, very different depending on our stories. Some of us are swimming around <laughs> in the water. Some of us may be submerged. I think depending on the day, you could be any one of them. In the water. And some days we're just, we're in the waves. Like, oh, let's roll, right? For some, uh, it's, it's like the kids when we get to the beach. They just take off sprinting from the top of the beach and plunge into the water. Like For some of us, that's our story. We're like, we came out of some pain or brokenness, and we're like, we're all in. I don't, whatever. Our hearts are actually softer. To me, uh, an illustration like this can be helpful because when we talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit, this isn't an issue of like, ranking your spirituality. Yet, sometimes there's not first class and second class Christians and all this weird stuff that we create. There's simply those who have put their hope in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And the Lord is always calling from the moment that we do that. He's calling us deeper in relationship with him. That doesn't stop. So here's how we're going to close. Worship team, you guys can join me. Um, we're going to spend some time in worship, and we're going to have, uh, there's going to be a team that's available in the, in the back of the room. You'll see uh, some friends with a tag that says, you can pray with me. And we're going to create some time to, to pray. If you want to just sit in your seat, and pray, God, I want you to work in my life today. Maybe you came with somebody that you feel comfortable praying with. I pray with the person sitting next to you. But, but we're just going to ask the Lord to do what he wants to do today. We're going to pray. We're going to say, we're interested in your kingdom, God. And, and we're interested starting here. We're interested. Uh, Lord, I am interested. All I want is who you are. And all I want is what you want to work out inside my heart. That's it. And, and I'm all in for that. So if you want somebody to pray with you, there's a team. You can go to the back. In fact, why don't you stand to your feet? Um, but I want to encourage all of us. It doesn't matter where you are. Maybe you're here today and, and you just started attending church. 
And this is like drinking from a fire hose a little bit. You're like, ha, ha, ha. God is so kind and he's so gentle. He, he's simply saying, just take a step towards me. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Today, that's going to change because that's what he's talking to you about. He's saying, you can trust me. Your life in my hands is, is the best choice. So maybe you just need to surrender your life. We're going to pray. And you can move in any one of those ways. Next week, Pastor Stacy's going to lead us through the, the gifts of the Spirit and, and have some teaching on that. I love uh, what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, which is a part of our reading in Lectio this week, which, coincidence, we don't write the Lectio journal, by the way. Somebody else does. It just happened to line up perfectly. Here's what it says. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The, the language that Paul uses here is to, to be filled up to the full, to be overflowing, and, and to be filled again and again and again. And so he says, when you gather, when you gather like we're experiencing this morning, in the name of Jesus, we're gathering to encourage and lift one another up in the name of Jesus, and we're singing songs of praise, we're lifting up our voices, and we're praying, God, fill us up. Overflowing. Just... Just have, have your way. So Lord, we do that right now. We just, we thank you that you've gone before us. We thank you that you have held us to this moment. We thank you for the work that you're doing in this place right now. We ask for the courage and the boldness to just say yes and respond, to take the next step. And Lord, I, I ask that you would make us a missional people in that. That we would surrender to the work of your spirit so that all may know the goodness of God. We pray this in your name. Amen.